Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. The Apostle Peter here writes to the church, he says, So I will always do what? Remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. The Apostle Peter tells us and speaks to us here in this passage of the importance of remembering. And even things that we know already. He's saying, I'm going to remind you of those things. Even though I know you already know them and you're already established in them, I want to remind you of them. And he wants to remind us of them because there is power in remembrance and there is meaning in our memory. In fact, there is that famous quote there that says, We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us in his teaching in our past history. We have to remember we cannot forget. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, in fact, Deuteronomy, that, that name itself means the second law the, the, or the re- repetition of the law. And they call it the repeating of the law because at the end of their 40 years of so, sojourn, and he did it because the children of Israel were prone to forget. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11, God says, be careful Be careful not to forget the Lord, our God, your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Moses wrote, Be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. And what had their eyes seen? Unbelievable things. Going back to Egypt, how God had delivered them. From, from a nation, from the superpower of the world, he delivered them through plagues, unbelievable plagues that we haven't seen since. Then they come up to the Red Sea, and what do they see when they get to the Red Sea? The Red Sea parts, unbelievable. And even if they had forgotten all that water coming out of the rock, every single day there was a miracle. Every single morning there was a miracle. You remember what that miracle was? manna every single morning and so Moses encourages them and says be careful and and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live teach them to your children and to their children after them my friends there is power in memory there is power in remembering in fact even in one of the commandments The fourth commandment. How does the fourth commandment begin? Remember. Because even on a weekly basis, we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget God. We're prone to forget that we need to stop and we need to rest. And so God tells us, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Every Sabbath we come here because we want to come to remember what God has done for us. Unfortunately, the the majority of the world has forgotten, but God is calling us to remember there is power in remembering. And not only does the commandment, the fourth commandment, call us to remember, but in the Old Testament there in Leviticus, 
God instituted three major seasons of the year where the children of Israel could remember. Do you know what those three seasons were? Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles or the Day of Atonement. Three major times in the year, every year, where all the, all the men were commanded to go to Jerusalem. They would take a pilgrimage. Everyone was encouraged to go to Jerusalem. Three times a year, God instituted these seasons so that they could remember the Passover, so that they could remember God's deliverance in the past through the Exodus, and also pointing forward to the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. God instituted the festival of Pentecost, which would take place sometime during the summer. It was a festival to remember the present blessings of God. It was called the harvest festival. That's where the first fruits would come. And that's how God would bless them. And they would come and they would thank God for the present blessings that he was going to give them. Also pointing forward to a future blessing. And what was that future blessing? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, one of the greatest gifts that God could give us. In fact, Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? One of the greatest gifts that God has given to us, the Holy Spirit, Pentecost pointing forward to that. And finally, in the fall, finally in the fall, there was the Feast of Tabernacles or the Day of Atonement where everyone would build a booth, a little tent, a temporary shelter, reminding them that they are pilgrims on this earth. Even though they were already established in the land of Israel, this, this earth was not our home. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. God was calling them to remember future blessing and the final deliverance that God has a city in store for us. That was in the Old Testament, God calling us to remember As Christians, we don't celebrate the Jewish festivals, but as Christians, we too have seasons of the year where we can remember God's blessings. In the spring, the very next season, we have Easter, where we can remember the gift of Jesus' death and resurrection. In the fall, I kind of just started something new in the fall, remember? Uh, We started a time in the fall where we can remember or think about Jesus' second coming his second advent, and the prophecies of the future. And now, during December, it is Advent season. Advent season. The time where we remember Jesus coming as a child, his incarnation, and the nativity. As Adventists, we must remember not only that we're looking forward to Jesus to come in the future, We must not only remember the second advent, but as Adventists, it's in our name. We must also remember the first advent. We must remember the first coming of Jesus because it's only because what he did for us in the past, when he came as a child, when he came as a babe, it's only because of what he did in the past that we have hope in the future. Seventh-day Adventist. We believe that Jesus comes. We believe that Jesus breaks into time and history. And there are times when he comes and he visits us in person. And we look forward to that day when he will come in the clouds of heaven. And so we're in the Advent season right now, commemorating the first coming of Jesus, the first Advent. And so the question that, that comes up quite often is, 
How should Christians relate to Christmas? That's a question I've heard recently here. How should Christians relate to Christmas? Are you guys ready? How should Christians relate to Christmas? Well, we know a few things. We know that Jesus was not born on December 25. Sorry to burst your bubble if you thought that. You know, Santa Claus doesn't exist either. Sorry about that. But uh, (laughs) neither does the Easter Bunny. But we know Jesus was not born on December 25. Jesus was not born on December 25. The Bible doesn't say anything about the exact date of his birth. Now, the Bible does tell us the location of his birth. It says, in you, O Bethlehem, um, that's where Jesus would be born. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, the prophecy of the 70 weeks, uh, speaks to us more or less of the time when Jesus would begin his ministry. But we don't know specifically the time when Jesus was born. In fact, some people think he was born in, 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 the, in the fall or the early fall, like September or October. But the truth is, we don't know. In fact, what we do know is that December 25, that date, indeed has pagan origins. Pagan origins. Pagan origins. So then, what are we, as Christians, to do with a day that has pagan origins? Do you see the tension there? Do you see the tension there? What are we to do with December 25 and its pagan origins? So what are we to do? Are we to ignore the date? Are we to ignore the event? Are we to ignore the season and shun it? Personal story. My family did for a while. My family did for a while. For a few years when we found out that Christmas had pagan origins and these kinds of things. And uh, we we stopped celebrating it. And let me tell you, those were probably about the most miserable years that we had. And uh, it was was just terrible. So I, I don't encourage that. I don't encourage that. But theologically speaking, uh, the issue of Christmas, of December 25, even the issue of celebrating Easter, uh, the resurrection of Jesus during that time, even other events like St. Valentine's Day, uh, practices and other traditions that have pagan origins, is an issue similar to what the New Testament church faced regarding meats sacrificed to idols. The issue that we are facing here with Christmas and Easter and St. Valentine's and other traditions that we have, other pagan practices, and indeed there is paganism everywhere. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Our society is just inundated with pagan symbols, and it's everywhere. I mean, somebody even told me the tie was a pagan symbol, and uh, I think he just didn't like to wear ties and and, uh, was using that as an excuse to get rid of it. But everywhere we are inundated with pagan symbols. So as Christians, how do we navigate through the paganism? How do we not compromise our faith as Christians? And so this issue of Christmas has similar, was similar to the issue faced by the New Testament church regarding meats sacrificed to idols. And the truth is, it all comes down to a matter of association and a matter of how you celebrate Christmas. Now, in the New Testament times, traditionally, To eat meat that was sacrificed to idols was a form of paying homage to an idol. It was considered idolatry. And so I don't know if you remember the story of Daniel and his four friends when they were first taken captive to Babylon. Uh, What was that first issue that they faced? The king called them in and placed a banquet before them. And uh, what was the problem there? 
The problem was, among other things, not only was the food unclean according to uh, yeah, the Levitical laws of diet, but not only that, but all the food that had been uh, presented to them on that table had first been offered to the pagan gods of Babylon, say, say um, Baal or some of the other, uh, Marduk or some of the other gods. And so not only did they face, not only did Daniel face the issue of having to eat meats that were unclean, but also having this issue that if he partook of that, of that meal, if he partook of that food, it would be considered paying homage to the gods of Babylon. But in the time of the New Testament... In the time of the New Testament, that connection and that association, there's that word again, don't forget, what did I say? Association, remember that word? That connection and that association to idolatry was passing away in the days of Paul. Now, food was still being sacrificed to, to, to idols and then being sold in the marketplace, but that, that direct connection, that association with if I eat this piece of food or this meat, then it's showing somehow homage to the idol, that was passing away, that association was passing away in the days of Paul. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8, he says, but food, do you have it there? But food does not bring us near to God, and we are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Did you catch that? Food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat. We are no better if we do. So if someone went to the market and ate that piece of meat, uh, it was not paying homage to that idol. The Apostle Paul says, you are not, you're not better because you ate it. Uh, you're not better because you didn't eat it. You're not worse because you eat it, and you're not worse because you don't eat it. Uh, it's, it's not an issue of right or wrong. It's a matter of association. In verse 4, read what he says here in verse 4. He continues this line of argument. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, he says, we know that an idol is Nothing. Nothing at all in the world. There is only one God. An idol is nothing. There isn't an issue there. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He continues his line of argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 26. Uh, actually, let's start with verse 25. He says, Eat anything. Sold in the marketplace, whether it's been sacrificed to an idol or not. Eat anything uh, without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, there's no issue here. The Apostle Paul is saying there's no issue here. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, he will continue this line of argument, and he'll say, for everything that God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. The Apostle Paul is telling us this issue of paganism and of eating food sacrificed to idols. The association was passing away. It really wasn't an issue. You're no better if you eat. You're no worse if you eat. You're no better if you don't eat. You're no worse or better if you don't eat. It's a matter of association. The earth is the Lord's and he has given us everything with prayer and thanksgiving. It is consecrated. But then Romans 14, he continues his line of argument. He actually spends quite a bit of time on this issue. 
of Romans chapter 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is what? Unclean in and of itself. He's speaking about ceremonial uncleanliness, not the dietary uh, restrictions, unless I know you want to get your pork chops in there, but uh, hold your horses there. Not so fast, not so fast. Uh, we do have some wham at our store here, but uh, just talk to Lucy about that and she'll hook you up with wham. Not ham, but wham. The uh, Adventist version there, yeah. Okay, so he says, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But here's the issue. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. You know, it's a matter of association. It's a matter of association. I'll illustrate this a little bit more here. I'll illustrate this more. A little association. Pumpkin pie. When you think of pumpkin pie, what's the association that comes to your mind? Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Now, say someone was, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have the tendency to be a little gluttonous, a little gluttonous, especially when it comes to dessert. And uh, say I ate so much pumpkin pie, and this has happened to me, not with pumpkin pie, but it's happened to me with other foods, that I just eat so much of it. I eat so much of it. I eat so much of it. And then I get sick. And then I throw it up. Yes, I, I throw it up. And I've done that several times with different foods. Lord, forgive me. Help my gluttonous ways. And then you'll ask my wife, what happens afterwards is that that particular food, I will never touch that food ever again, at least for, at least for years and years and years and years. And every time I see that food and I smell that food, the association that I have with it is that I got sick and it made me throw up. I don't know. Happened to me with mangoes. Happened to me with mangoes. Yes, I, I overstuffed myself with the mangoes when I was 10 years old. And I didn't eat mangoes again until somehow my wife got me to uh, eat them again. Um, I think that was 11, 12 years later, I started eating them again. It's a matter of association. I see that particular food and I think disgusting, I don't want it, it makes me nauseous. You see that food and you think, oh, wonderful. It's a matter of association. It's not a matter of right or wrong, it's a matter of association. Hot dogs, burgers, and fireworks, what do you associate that with? Fourth of July. That's right. It's a matter of association. Yeah. Uh, it, even happens, it even happens with music. I don't know if I should do this or not. It even happens with music. Um, you know, people have different associations with music. And it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's just, it's just a matter of, of association here. Let me see here. Let me see this one. Hymn number 423. Hymn number 423. Tell me what association you have with this song. have any associations with this song? <laughs> Kim, tell us, what do you associate that song with? That's the German national anthem. Did, did, other than Kim, did anybody say, oh, you stood up and put your hand already over your heart? No, right? You didn't have that association, right? But every time we sing that song, glorious things of thee are spoken, every time we'll do it, Kim will sing the German national anthem because she's German. You know? it, it happens with music. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's just a matter of association. And so how does this apply with Christmas? It's the same with Christmas. 
And it's the same with other holidays. What matters is not its pagan history. What matters is its present association and its celebration. So, uh, I'm dying to get a Christmas tree in here. Uh, I haven't been able to yet. Um, I'm working on it. Uh, that's Savannah. I'm still asking Savannah for permission. Maybe you can uh, convince her there for me. I'm dying to get a Christmas tree in here, but a really big Christmas tree. Really big. All the way, all the, way the roof. That's what I want. All the way to the roof. I don't know where we're going to save it or keep it, but that's what I want. It's a matter of association. So I ask you, I ask you, if I put a Christmas tree in here, and Christmas trees have pagan connotations, And if I put a Christmas tree up here and I see you secretly coming here and then bowing down to the Christmas tree, I'll say that's a problem. I'll say that's a problem. Okay. If we put a Christmas tree in here and we start uh, decorating it with ornaments, but you instead, and forgive me for this, I don't want to ruin this for you. Someone ruin it for me. But as we start decorating the Christmas tree, someone starts ornamenting it with heads That have been severed and cut off. I'll say there's a problem there. Have you heard that? And and if instead of using garland. You start using intestines. From your victims. I would say there's a problem. We would report you to the authorities. We don't celebrate Christmas that way. We don't bow down to the tree. We don't worship the tree. If the gifts that you brought and put under the Christmas tree, you were offering it for a pagan deity, I would say there's a problem. But we don't. The gifts that we put under the tree are not for a pagan deity. The ornaments are not symbols of our victims and and the scalps that we have chopped off or the the internal parts of, of our victims. We don't celebrate Christmas that way. And I don't even know if that's true or not, but that's what I heard. And it kind of ruined it for me. But that's not how we celebrate Christmas It's a matter of association, present association and celebration. So how do we celebrate it? Or how should we celebrate Christmas? I encourage you to read a section um, from the book called Adventist Home, um, where Ellen White writes about Christmas. Ellen White was an incredible woman. She was a progressive woman, and she was also a traditional woman. Wow, how do you get that balance, you know? Progressive and you're also traditional. How do you keep that balance? Some of us are just one or the other. How can we be both? At the same time, that chapter, chapter 77, she'll speak about Christmas and she'll speak about Christmas trees. Notice what she says here. Letters of inquiry have come to us asking, shall we have a Christmas tree? Will it not be like the world? Have you heard that argument before? Paganism, you know, it's nothing new. These arguments have been around for a long time. We answer, you can make it like the world if you have a disposition to do so. It's all about association. If you want to make it like the world, you can. Or, or you can make it as unlike the world as possible. Matter of association. There is no particular sin, she says, in selecting a fragrant evergreen and placing it in our churches. In the end, who created, who created the Christmas tree? Who created the evergreen? God. God created it. He created it for, for our use, for our beauty, for our delight. Uh, You can make it as unlike the world as possible. There's no particular sin in selecting a fragrant evergreen and placing it in our churches. But the sin lies in the motive and in the use. Here's another one. Blow you away. God would be what? 
well pleased. No, she didn't say that. Yeah, she did say that. God would be well pleased if on Christmas each church would have a Christmas tree on which shall be hung offerings. Which shall be hung offerings. You know, offerings, the idea here. Here's another one. Here's another one. This is coming from the Adventist home here. Let not the parents take the position that an evergreen placed in the church for the amusement of the Sabbath school scholars. You know who those were? Sabbath school scholars. You know who those were? Those are the kids in the Sabbath school classroom. That's who they were. Isn't that great? So we have a bunch of Sabbath school scholars here. She says, um, let not the parents take the position that an evergreen placed in the church for the amusement of the Sabbath school scholars for the children is a sin, for it may be a great blessing. It's all a matter of association. Here's another one that she says. As the 25th of December is observed to commemorate the birth of Christ, it can be made to serve a very good purpose, even though it has pagan origins. It's all a matter of association, present association, and how we celebrate. How about giving gifts? Surely that's not, uh, surely we shouldn't do that, right? I give gifts. Well, uh, let's see here. What does she say there? Uh, The holiday season is fast approaching with its interchange of gifts. And old and young are intently studying what they can bestow upon their friends as a token of affectionate remembrance. It is pleasant to receive a gift, however small, from those we love. It is an assurance that we are not forgotten. And it seems to bind us to them a little closer. Do you see that? I'm a credible woman. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, sure. In the old times, they offered presents to, to their gods, but, or gifts to their gods. But as we do it today, it, it draws us closer together. There's nothing wrong with it. Here's another one. It is right to bestow upon one another tokens of love and remembrance. If we do not in this, forget God, our best friend. We should make our gifts as such as will prove a real benefit to the receiver. And uh, so one of the things she actually recommends for giving gifts are books. How about that? Here's another one. In general, on Christmas, uh, in keeping Christmas, it says, Christmas, it should be kept in a way that will be in harmony with its significance. And what is the significance of Christmas? The birth of Jesus, the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas should be kept in a way that will be in harmony with its significance. Christ should be remembered. His name honored and the old, old story of his love should be recounted. But Christ in your minds and hearts testify to men, to angels, and to God that you remember your Redeemer. Follow his example of self-sacrifice for others' good. Let the world know that on Christmas and during the Advent season you remember who Jesus is. Christmas Day, she says, is a precious reminder of the sacrifice made in man's behalf. Here's another one. I entreat you, my brethren and sisters, to make Christmas a blessing to yourselves and others. The birth of Jesus was celebrated by the heavenly host. Isn't that right? Right? Isn't that right? Glory to God on the highest. Isn't that right? Angels celebrated. The whole host of heaven was out there singing. Can't we sing? You know, not even that, but then magi came sometime later and they brought gifts to Jesus, gifts of gold and and frankincense and myrrh. Can't we also do that and follow in that same line as well? So what are we going to do? Let's celebrate Christmas. Let's celebrate this Advent season with a spirit of cheer. 
Can we do that? Spirit of cheer, a spirit of love, a spirit of charity and of joy. I don't want to see any Ebenezer Scrooges here at our church. No, let us, let us celebrate Christmas with a spirit of cheer. And I encourage you as well um, to, to just orientate your minds tor- towards what Jesus did. Do the Bible readings. Do the Nativity Bible readings. Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. Take time to read, read those, to remember, to go over that old, old story of Jesus and his love. I also encourage you to read chapters 1 through 6 of the book Desire of Ages where Ellen White focuses on the birth of Jesus and on the gift that, that, that he gave to us. And finally, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Christmas, you can read the Adventist Home, chapter 77. She speaks about you know, how to work with children and, and these kinds of things when it comes to Christmas. And so can we do that, church? Can we be joyous and can we be happy and can we celebrate? This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.